so one final principle. There are many, many principles, but and the final one I want to talk about is principle I call feed what you want to grow. Uh, that oftentimes, you know, in conventional agriculture, you see a bug or a pest or something, you say, nuke it, kill it, pour poison all over it. You know, in our foreign policies, we see someone, we see a terrorist, like, kill him, you know, you know, bomb Iran to the ground, whatever it is, you know. In permaculture, you see a pest, and you say, hmm, that's a piece of information. That's telling us something is out of balance. What can I bring in that will help keep that past in check? What starts here changes the world. Well, I've got to admit, I kind of like it. What starts here changes the world. We are the music thinkers, and we are the dreamers of dreamers. The average American will meet 10,000 people in their lifetime. I was handcuffed to another man from another tribe whose language I did not speak. Don't think, don't think. But if every one of you changed the lives of just 10 people, and each one of those people changed the lives of another 10 people, and another 10, we did not know each other. And we could not speak to each other because if we could have spoken to each other, we might have been able to figure out what was happening to us. To every politician who is taking donations from the NRA. It is because America has not invested in its people. Shame on you. And you can change the entire population of the world, 8 billion people. And if we could have figured out what was happening to us, we might have been able to prevent it. If you think it's hard to change the lives of 10 people, change their lives forever, well, that didn't happen. Here we are. You're wrong. Are you better off than you were four years ago? My fellow Americans, it's time to speak out. They're looking for help. They're looking for help. They're not looking for more of the same. When people lose their jobs, there's a good chance I'll know them by their names. When a factory closes, I know the people who ran it. When the businesses go bankrupt, I know them. We will respond with that timeless greed that sums up the spirit of a people. Yes, we can. Yes, we can. Yes, we can. And when we get enough money, honey, we'll bring you down. But their children were saved. Their children's children. Generations were saved by one decision, one person. But changing the world can happen anywhere, and anyone can do it. So what starts here can indeed change the world. But the question is, what will the world look like after you change it? Welcome to Public Access America. Make a stand. I know I did. Thank you very much, and may God bless America. Uh, how do I create conditions in the garden that are going to favor the things I want and discourage the things that I don't want? Now imagine if we applied that to our foreign policy. Right? Instead of saying, terrorists, kill them, what if we said, hmm, terrorists, that's information. What are the conditions that are creating, uh, that are favoring this kind of behavior? How do we actually favor the things that are going to shift that behavior um, rather than trying to kill the enemy? Because killing the bugs always creates resistance. And, you know, whether it's antibiotics used on everything or whether it's, you know, pesticides poured on your cornfield, the things that you don't want somehow always are going to reproduce more effectively because by killing everything, you're actually creating conditions that favor often the pests and the diseases. So instead of doing that, if we thought about it in a more sophisticated way, uh, we might be able 
to say what are the conditions that are actually creating this wave of anger and bitterness and hatred, and how do we shift that? How do we, if we shift that to conditions that favor justice and favor connection, um, we might be able to make the world a much safer and more secure place uh, than it is right now. And without having to uh, kill so many people and destroy so much in order to do it. And the same, I think, applies, you know, if we want kids in the inner city to be healthy, and if we want to undo poverty, we have to feed what we want to grow. We have to create conditions. If we want people to eat healthily in place, this is... Uh, a project I work with in Bayview Hunters Point in the lowest income neighborhood in San Francisco, which is also pretty much a food desert, a place where fresh organic food is really hard to find. And I work with a project there called Girls 2000 that's run by an organization called Hunters Point Family, uh, where young girls who are high school and, and middle school age work in an urban garden, an urban farm, get paid a stipend for doing it, learn about farming and gardening, and also, you know, we have slowly over time gotten them to actually eat some of the food. <laughs> uh, so this young girl got very excited with this calla lily and wanted to fill it up with water and drink from it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so feeding, you know, what you want to grow in kids, in relationships, uh, thinking about what are the conditions that are actually going to favor what we want to happen. Um, sometimes it's kind of risky to take a bite of that unknown thing. <laughs> um, but showing people how to actually grow and nurture things, um, how to prune, how to plant seeds. These are some of the older kids in one of our job training programs. You know, then you can start to grow that sense of wonder and joy and connection to the natural world that we need if we're going to actually create systems that can bring us back into harmony. <coughs> so I want to just finish with some pictures from City Repair in Portland, because I think they're doing some of the most amazing, imaginative, out-of-the-box work. Uh, they take intersections where people have, because they believe our cities are designed to separate us and not to bring us together, and they paint mandalas, and they turn them into gathering places. Uh, this is their T-horse bus with wings that create, like, shelter for serving tea and having gatherings. Yeah. Uh, this is a gathering at Sunnyside Piazza that showed you earlier. And this was a wonderful labyrinth that, that people painted in the middle of the street to walk. And they did a wonderful little spiral dance there. And they have street parties, gatherings, and a way of like physically transforming the spaces that are, you know, kind of waste spaces into sacred spaces and places of connection. So what world do we want? That one? Or these are Tasmanian rainforests where permaculture started. Um, you know, the destruction of Hurricane Katrina, um, or the regeneration. Uh, this was uh, an area in New Orleans that we helped to plant 
sunflowers to extract some of the toxins from the soil and help regenerate the land. Uh, when we do that, we can create again a world of wonder uh, where a young woman can look at a butterfly and find that joy in life. So I just want to finish by saying that um, I believe all of you are really important. You know, we are here for a reason. Um, and I believe, actually, that all of us are here at this time because we all have a role to play, a part to play in making this transition. Um, you hear at Harvard, people always say Harvard is the best and the brightest. You know, that's a position of incredible privilege. And I think the best use of privilege is not to agonize about it, not to feel guilty about it, but to say, wow, what a wonderful thing. How do I take this and use this and put it to the service of greater justice, greater care for the earth, greater care for the people? Uh, those of you who are involved in the Divinity School who will go out and be spiritual leaders in your community have a great opportunity to help people uh, to see, again, that while we face these tremendous challenges, we also have tremendous resources. We also have tremendous allies. We also have a tremendous opportunity. The problem is the solution. And the problem of our system becoming utterly unsustainable is uh, the solution to creating a new system that can bring us into harmony with the earth and that ultimately will have more joy in it, more beauty, more justice, more abundance, more true happiness for everyone who's here. So I believe this is a really wonderful time to be alive. And I'm grateful for this opportunity to come and speak to you here. And I am really excited at thinking about what you all are going to go out and do. you can do first is to learn about it. Um, many, many cities have permaculture guilds where you can connect with other people that are doing permaculture and many kinds of urban farming and gardening projects that you can get involved with. Uh, I know here at the Divinity School they have a garden that you can work in. And um, you know, all of those things I think are wonderful ways. You know, a lot of permaculture more and more is shifting to say uh, it's not just about big land use out in the country, it's about how we transform our cities. And 
Another thing that you can do is to support things like um, Clover's, the restaurant that we're eating from that has locally grown organic vegetables. Farmers markets, CSAs, thinking about where you buy your food. And the third thing is to really look at policies that your organization is supporting. Uh, to look at things, you know, I think one of the most hopeful things going on right now is the divestment movement in colleges and universities, getting them to divest from investments in fossil fuels and fracking and all of those negative things, and instead to put their money and their resources into developing the safe, renewable alternatives that we need. Thank you. In the back. Um, I'm, I'm originally uh, from California myself, Northern California, and I was a religious studies scholar there, in fact. And um, what, really, what really struck me, you sort of talked about this near the end, is there's a young woman there who uh, was a farmer, was a full-time farmer, and then you know, came to the university to be a religious studies scholar. And she did her thesis on um, how do we bring the sacred back into our food. And so that was something uh, really interesting. And she talked about like all the pesticides and you know the way all all the food is made and you know and that type of thing. And I was wondering if you could uh, talk a little bit about that as it relates to. Yeah, I mean, I think if you look at the core of most religions, I mean, certainly in Judaism, even let alone paganism, it's all about the food, really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, read the Bible. It's all about the food. It's all about. You know, how the food is grown, and all of those things were originally considered sacred activities. In indigenous cultures, they still are. And, um, you know, I think what's happened to our food supply is that we have lost that. It has become this industrial model where, again, the purpose is not just really to grow food, but the food is sort of incidental to growing profits. <laughs> Over a lifetime, all of us change to an extraordinary degree. From a physical perspective, we start off as a little bundle about 50 centimeters high with cherubic features and elastic soft skin. I want you to understand and ask yourself at all times, what's the reason you're doing or trying to do or saying you do what you do? Why go this far? Why take the long way around? Why go this far? Why try to learn this much? In the intervening period, Every single cell in our body will have been replaced, often many times over. So if you think about it, you laugh, you think, and you cry. That's a full day. That's a heck of a day. You do that seven days a week. You will have gone through all kinds of experiences that perhaps leave almost no trace in memory. Remember, if you think you are wrong, you are And remember, there's no such thing as bad luck, only lost opportunities. Never, absolutely never. We carry the same name throughout our lives and consider ourselves as a relatively stable, unitary entity. But is it really right to think of ourselves as the same person? Why try to see it all? Why try to have it all? Why do it? Why learn it? Stay angry. Stay English. A standard assumption is that it's our body that guarantees our personal identity. If you think you are inadequate, you are. Let me introduce you to yourself.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park 